This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. The whole world is watching the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We have seen visuals of 18-year-olds taking up arms to fight and families fleeing for their lives amid an emerging refugee crisis. But the media, politicians and people of the global north, that is the US, Canada, UK and the European Union, are repeatedly telling the world that this is different. They mean that it is different from what is happening in Afghanistan right now where people are selling their children to feed the rest of their families. Media persons are saying the situation in Ukraine is different from when the US invaded Iraq or even the Syrian refugee crisis. Here's a snippet of such statements. But this isn't a place, with all due respect, um, you know, like Iraq or Afghanistan that has seen conflict raging for decades. You know, this is a relatively civilized, uh, relatively European. I have to choose those words carefully, too. I'm sorry. It's very emotional for me because I see European people with blue eyes and blonde hair being killed. Children being killed every day with Putin's missiles and his helicopters and his rockets. Now the unthinkable has happened to them. And this is not a developing third world nation. This is Europe. This display of racism on our screens is symptomatic of what is happening on the ground. People of color, like Indian students, for example, are talking about how the Ukrainian authorities are not allowing them to leave the country with white people being prioritized. They are being pushed to the back of the lines, attacked and beaten. For those who are managing to leave and cross the border into Poland, the discrimination and abuse continues. Three Indians were beaten up by far-right nationalists in Poland, leaving one hospitalized. So what makes a deserving refugee different from an undeserving one? Hi, this is Surya Tapa Mukherjee, your host for this episode of the Suno India Show. I spoke to Shruk El Attar, an Egyptian refugee in the UK. She's an award-winning electronics engineer, LGBT plus activist and belly dancer. Shruk arrived in the UK as a child and was later unable to go to college because she was an asylum seeker. She then joined Student Action for Refugees and led the campaign for equal access to higher education for asylum seekers in the UK. We talk about her experience as a refugee in the UK and how the country and the world is treating refugees this time around. Since the Ukrainian crisis started, there have been Mm -hmm. reactions from governments, media and citizens. And these have sort of been like notably different for uh, Ukrainian refugees. And so let's start with the media. Like what have you noticed in the media coverage so far that has like stood out for you and stayed for you? I've noticed. um, So I'm on, I'm really active on LinkedIn, actually. I don't know if that makes me really uncool. 
Um, but LinkedIn communities, I guess, if you'd call them that, um, are really well known to sort of not post anything political. It's sort of unwelcomed. Um, and it was completely different for for this um, for this situation. Uh, LinkedIn was like even LinkedIn themselves, as in the platform, has have buttons to like find the latest updates about the situation. But also, people have never seen care about anything like that before. Have been posting things. Uh, people are. I do. I do want to sort of make it clear that I think what you know Ukraine is going through is awful people are going through some very traumatic experiences and it should be the thing that's in the news now and people should care and people should provide this support but it should have been provided for everybody else who have been through similar situations like uh, Yemen Syria um sort of I guess <laughs> LGBT plus refugees from Egypt as well um, and that's not the same reaction I've seen at all. Right, yeah. And so the European Union has allowed Ukrainians to stay for three years before applying for asylum, while the British government has been a bit more like stringent. But, yeah, you know, from your perspective, as a refugee, you know, who went to the UK, who's now, I mean, like you've gotten uh, the refugee status and now, you know, you have this life there. But the, through this whole journey and your experiences, how do you sort of see what's unfolding right now, whether it's with the British government or even like how the British public is reacting to things? Um, so actually, even though the government have been stringent compared to Europe, if like you say, um, it's still... I don't know if you've heard of the program. So the government is giving any family that volunteers to take in a Ukrainian refugee family uh, in the UK uh, about £350 a month. Did you hear of it? No, no, I did not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a government-funded uh, project. So if you want to take in a refugee family from Ukraine, uh, the government will pay you. Uh, again, amazing, but gobsmacked that this is coming from the same UK asylum system that I've gone through. People in Calais, uh, so Ukrainian refugees on the Calais border who are trying to enter the UK because they either speak English or they have family ties, uh, they have been given accommodation by the French state, the same French state that completely destroys um, the makeshift camps that other refugees uh, in on the Calais border um, have built for themselves to give themselves shelter because of the same reasons. Again, <laughs> I, I do not understand how the, the, the French government is giving people shelter when they're white refugees and burning the tents of brown refugees on the same border for the same reasons. Again, like Egypt's Ali Farag, for example, uh, who's a world mm -hmm. number one squash player, he said how in sports, like they're not allowed to talk politics, right? But again, uh -huh. like an exception has been made for Ukraine. And uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and he was talking about how he would like to take this moment that now that they're allowed to talk politics. He would like to take this moment to talk about Palestine and how this is. Thank you. 
Yeah, and how this has been happening in Palestine for like all these years. I mean, like the European politicians are talking about the differences, but what for you are like the similarities between what's happening in Ukraine and what you've seen, I mean, we've all seen happening like elsewhere and even like in your personal experience? Uh, so I feel, um, I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> the right refugee because I didn't flee a war zone. There's different types of refugees. Um, and I came to this country for, for some very complicated reasons, but I ended up being able to be given asylum because of my uh, status as an LGBT plus rights activist um, and the work that I do in the LGBT plus community in Egypt today still. But uh, I have, you know, for example, the Yemeni crisis, uh, Saudi Arabia invaded Yemen using British weapons, you know, but that's okay. Um, we don't see anybody pulling out of Saudi Arabian contracts. Um, and we, I've seen a lot of big companies. I think, I think Shell might have been one of them or BP or, or something like that uh, pull out of Russia. And it's, 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 it's really confusing how, how people don't see that this is the same situation. I don't see how, I don't understand how people don't see that these people are just as deserving of these sanctuaries, that the, uh, these um, shelters, especially when we as the United Kingdom have caused most of these crises okay like we're the second i think weapon exporter in the world most of these weapons are uk weapons we colonized what three two-thirds of the world was it i don't know um but these the effects of colonization is still fueling feuds today that people have to flee from we cause refugee crises and yet do not take any responsibilities for it except when when it's white people yeah yeah and I'm also wondering like because you know you've been active in terms of like just working with refugees and helping like other uh, asylum seekers coming to the UK I'm just wondering like if you're still in touch with like refugees uh, or like refugee groups and you know like what's sort of happening on the ground especially because in um Ukraine right now I mean there's a lot of reports about how there's a lot of racism happening even in terms of like mm. the Ukrainian military is allowing to leave um and then yeah I've I mean there's also reports of like Indian students uh talking about how Ukrainian pets or animals are being allowed to like board trains and mm. leave and uh, you know they're actively like being pushed to the back of the lines they're not being allowed to like uh, you know, avail these sort of um, things that are happening. So, wow. yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, are you, do you sort of know what's happening in the UK in terms of like the refugees coming in? That's, um, that's really terrifying. I haven't since just before COVID, but I've been um, working with groups like Pride Without Borders in Bristol and Glitter Cymru in Wales just before Pride Without Borders until now too long ago um but I don't feel like a lot has changed in the last 10 or so years the system keeps on getting worse really you know um pretty <laughs> pretty Patel is bringing in some really scary things um and it's uh 
I remember when I came to the UK in 2007 when I was probably 15. Um, I was a child, but I still felt just how unwanted I was, just how unwelcome I was. Um, I remember even <laughs> a friend who was 16 uh, went on an immigrant rant with me when she found out that I was a refugee. It's really not what's happening now. And, you know, in some ways I want to be happy about it because I'm hoping that this is going to make other people understand what refugees go through and become more welcoming with other refugees too. But I'm worried about believing that because, I mean, the rules haven't changed for the rest of the refugees. Um, so how does, you know, like, how does all of this make you feel in terms of, do you feel like this racism is to be expected, you know, given your experience that, that you've mentioned right now? Or do you still feel like these things are like surprising and like you can't believe that they would actually say it like that? Um, a little bit in the middle. I, I, I think it was a little expected, but it was still incredibly surprising or the way it happened was really surprising. Like I have really close friends who you know aren't <laughs> aren't racist in the day-to-day lives um you know they're, they're as racist as all white people are which is a little um or, or more than a little um and uh, I remember just people getting really anxious and and really worried uh the first day of of the war people who have no ties with the Ukraine uh, and my friends and wouldn't have done the same with any other country Um, and I really just want to examine that and and take a step back and understand what's happening subconsciously there because you know these people aren't doing anything intentionally but what what is subconsciously happening to make this more of an important issue than you know, any other country in the world that where, where war is happening or invasion is happening, you know, take Palestine, for example. Yes. And I also read, and th- this has also surprised me, you know, uh, that 150,000 British people signed up to, you know, provide housing for Ukrainian refugees yes. Uh, yes. under the Homes for Ukraine uh, thing. And, uh, you know, of course, like you, th- now there's talks about how that may not actually be possible in terms of how many refugees the government is actually allowing into the country. Mm-hmm. But are you just surprised that, you know, these many British people want to welcome refugees into their homes? I am, because my experience is they haven't been welcoming of me at all. Um, I mean, the, the listeners do not know but my family were deported when 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 I was younger um, in 2012 and I escaped deportation narrowly and it took me seven years to gain my refugee status um, and I am an engineer but I wasn't always allowed access to engineering because I came here as a refugee um, and there's a lot of barriers to to higher education and work. I wasn't allowed to work. I wasn't allowed to go to university. I wasn't allowed to even leave the country to try and study anywhere else or or, or work anywhere else. And I was treated as if I was guilty until proven innocent. I, I was treated as if I was a criminal. I came here as a child and I was treated as if I was a criminal uh, for claiming my legal right 
to asylum. Um, <laughs> and that number is mind-boggling, un- unexpected. I'm really happy that people want to open their houses to refugees. But if it's 150,000 people who wanted to open their house to house a refugee family from Ukraine and they can't get the refugee family from Ukraine, can I invite them to please consider a refugee family from another part of the world because there's a lot of people on the streets today who have no resource to public funds. But but what about like just other refugees, maybe <laughs> like yourself, you know, who are maybe sort of now in an okay place, but they're still having to, like it's a reminder, right, that this country that's your home is also ah. this country that's, you know, sort of, doesn't really like you as much as <laughs> you know they like some other people so is there anything that you would like to say to them so do you mean um so do you mean for refugees who already live in the UK yeah or like people so I've I've actually just got um British citizenship I only took a little more than half of my life but I've just got it Oh, congratulations. And, um, thank you. Long oh my God, like, the world is such a different place. I can vote now. I can like travel to countries. It's weird. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And I find it really hard to call myself British, but I'm trying to unlearn that because I feel it comes from a place of, you know, feeling like uh, I'm not really, I'm never really going to be British or I'm never really you know, I'm never going to be truly British in their eyes. Um, but this country is built on colonizing people like us. So actually, this wealth is our wealth. So if you want to say you're British, you are British because your ancestors built this country. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.